Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Too soon, right? Okay, <laughs> who has the legitimate grades to ace the test? IMSA is back. It's North America's oldest endurance race, and the trash talking has already begun, and it is good for the 12 hours of Sebring. Supercross heading to Indianapolis. Find out why this is the most important race of the season for one rider battling at the top of the leaderboard. Thursday means two wheels, open wheels, and wheels and deals. I don't even know what that means. I just needed something else with <laughs> wheels in it. AJ Allmendinger and Parker Kligerman are ready to solve your biggest math problems because, guys, today is 314. You know what that means? Oh. 3.14. Pie day. It's yeah. pie day, yes. Why is there no pie here? Well, it's, pie? The, it's early, dessert, I don't know. It's also close to St. Patrick's Day, so this is that's, my That's appropriate, but no pie. I'm just, we don't know like who is going here. to have the good luck at any of these racetracks. A lot of series going on. Uh, so let's get to, I guess we'll start with NASCAR. We've got a lot to cover. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a big weekend in Fontana, no question. And this is one of those racetracks where you just don't know what's going to happen. What I do know when it comes to a math problem, though, I know the circumference of Fontana is two miles. Mm -hmm. And the only diameter, we're going back to the 3.1, that the drivers care about is that line that gets you to victory lane. So the watch begins. I know my, that was a lot. My head hurts already. It's so, yeah. a lot of numbers. Keep, yeah. Try to keep the math to a minimum, but we got it all out uh, in the first couple of minutes there. Everyone's going to be watching Kyle Busch. The question now is, when does it happen? He has 199 wins across all three series. Does he get 200 this weekend? I believe so. I mean, he's just, he's got that feel right now where no matter what vehicle he gets in, whether it's a truck, Xfinity, or cup car, he goes out there and runs up front. And that's no surprise, but, uh, you know, I feel like for him, there's so much talk about it. He just wants to get it over with. He wants it to happen so he's able to be able to go out there and not really have to talk about it again. It's going to be a big deal. We should celebrate it. I know there's a lot of topics about the whole Richard Petty versus Kyle, but forget about that. When it happens, let's just celebrate it. I think in one of those races, it happens this weekend, and he gets number 200. So I think one is you kind of brought up Kyle Busch doesn't focus on that, right? Like, you know, he doesn't amass this amount of wins focusing on like, oh, man, I hope I get the most wins, you know, of this driver, and I hope I get this win at this time. You just amass him because he goes out there racing to win every time. Does this mean something? Yes. Is it significant? Yes. Does it compare to Richard Petty? I'm going to say no. I've said that for a while. I've said that every time this got brought up over the last couple of years, that it does not compare because that's we've gotten that discussion many times. Basically, those were cup wins. The best of that time he's done over three different series. But what is amazing to me is his win percentage. 
That's the part I find really interesting is how high of a win percentage he's had. And do I think it can happen this weekend? Absolutely. Because, one, Fontana's a great track for him. We're seeing that, as you said, in all in any series he steps in right now, he's on top of his game. The Joe Gibbs racing cars are really fast right now. So I think all those things combined mean, yes, it can happen this weekend, and he's on top form, so why not? And it's one of those two where you just you know it's going to happen. You know, it, it, like in a hockey game, what Evgeny Malkin, you know, getting to his thousand points. You know it's going to happen, so you're just waiting for it. And yeah. we know it's it, it will. It's just a matter of when. So if there is something else to watch this weekend, Martin Truex hasn't been to victory lane yet. Um, will he go back to back? I mean, if Kyle's not going to win, will it be Martin Truex Jr.? <sighs> well, they've been close, so I, I think you have to believe that just the sort of same reasons why. Kyle Busch could go and get his 200th win. The reason that Martin Truex could get his first of the season is that simply those Joe Gibbs racing cars have shown a lot of speed. And I think that they have really nailed this package. For whatever reason, they've really nailed it compared to some of the other teams and other manufacturers. Although Penske's been very good with the Fords, I think that they've shown that the Toyotas are, can compete, that they know what they need out of, these, out of this package. And therefore, I think absolutely he could go out there in that 19 car and get his first win as a Joe Gibbs driver, not a Joe Gibbs affiliate. Do you agree, AJ? <laughs> Is that what we got? We got I like the, quote, I like the, I like the, the quotation. Guys well, I like to put that, that in, in perspective because yeah. everyone's always like, oh, man, Joe Gibbs. It's like, well, he was kind of in this no, already. I mean, really, it's what stands out to me about that 19 team, Martin Truex Jr., Cole Pern, is I look at Atlanta, which same type of service. Yeah, it's a mile and a half racetrack to two-mile racetrack. But the surfaces, how slick, how it uses up the tires, they were really fast there. They were chasing down Brad Keselowski at the end of that race to go win the race. At Phoenix last week, it wasn't talked about really until the last couple of laps. I mean, he was at 1.7 seconds down in third place when Kyle Busch was catching Ryan Blaney. And by the end of the race, he was within a second and a half. So, yeah, I really feel like them as a whole, I mean, yeah, when you go into a new organization, even if you've worked with them, it takes a little bit of time to get used to it. But right now, they are just dialed in. So, as we'll see probably later in the show, that is my pick to win this race, oh, is Martin Truex. Wow. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Really stepping I mean, on a limb there. That's I mean, interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that before we stepped on You weren't there. racing, okay. so I didn't put you in that's my lineup. That's yeah. perfect. Thanks. Appreciate it. We that. did. We, but just so you know, you weren't racing last week, and we did put you in the lineup. Perfect. That's Even good. That's weren't. a good way to get no points. <laughs> Zero whatsoever. So, what about, okay, another group or, you know, maybe, I mean, looked like they had some momentum last week, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, or, or did they? Do you feel like they're? They're getting close. They they showed the qualifying speed, right? They showed some. Speed. I know Phoenix Fontana, two totally different things, but <sighs> they showed some some practice speed. I mean, what's interesting about this race team is you brought up Atlanta being sort of a reason why the 19 could run well. If you're looking at Hendrick Motorsports, you'd say, well, if they, if they bring anything like Atlanta, you know, we're, that does not yeah. bode well for them at all in any any way. The thing is, we've had a couple weeks to work on this. They've had weeks to evaluate what they did at Atlanta. They had weeks to evaluate what they did at Las Vegas to say, okay, what worked there, what didn't work here, and sort of say, okay, now we've maybe got a better idea of what we need to be doing on these lar- these larger racetracks, especially with the drag ducks. You know, I mean, that's one thing we saw at Vegas that you didn't see at Atlanta, and maybe they were a little better there. They obviously had to speed and qualify and didn't get it because they were too late to the line between Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. But I think that's what's interesting to me is had they used this time productively to show up at California and have something that's maybe a little bit better than what they had at Atlanta or Vegas. And if they do, then I think they're they're obviously a top five contenders. Are they winning contenders? I don't know. Yeah, and that's, that's where I'm at is we see it with Hendrick Motorsports. They're going to figure it out. Now, what is that level of figuring out? Is it going out there and winning the race this weekend? I, I don't see it. Unless something 
crazy happens because they just haven't shown the outright speed to go out there and win these races. And yeah, at Phoenix, Chase Elliott was really fast, obviously got the penalty at the start of the race. But at the end of the day, they still weren't cars that could go win the race. So I think they're slowly figuring it out. But when it comes to the end of, you know, if you got to put your money on the line there, who's going to be inside the top three, a chance to win the race when it comes down the end at Fontana? I don't see that yet, but they are making those gains, and that's what they have to do over the course of really the first eight, ten races. You can't just hurt yourself so bad that you're already out of the playoffs unless you win a race. So they're slowly making gains on trying to get there, and uh, you know, I, I really start to notice kind of as we get to the Coke 600 because we've been to so many of the tracks and, and to see where they're at. So. Uh, too early. Yeah, it's early. I don't see them winning this okay. weekend, but they're getting there. We already know who you have your money on. Yeah. That's smart tricks. That's, yeah, well. <laughs> well, okay, so there's a few storylines to watch this weekend. We're going to go back to Cali in a bit. But this show is by Coastal today. Another huge race this weekend takes place in Florida in the IMSA series, the 12 Hours of Sebring, called North America's oldest endurance race. AJ, you said it could be called the most grueling. Yeah, I mean, this is a racetrack, whether it's man versus man or machine, uh, it, we talk about it all the time. It's everybody says if you can last 12 hours at Sebring, you last 24 hours anywhere else. And for drivers, you know, Daytona is mentally grueling. I mean, you're up and yeah, unless you're Townsend Bell, where I guess you sleep for nine hours during the race. Most drivers don't you're still on that. Yeah, most of the drivers don't Thank sleep a lot. So it, it mentally it's grueling, but physically it's not that grueling at Daytona. Sebring, it's all grueling. I mean, your body gets bounced around inside there. The track is so rough. We see here, the cars just start bouncing, and as we kind of get some slow-mo views of it, it's just so physical through turn 17 and turn 1. It's just hard on your car. It's hard on your body. Uh, and for 12 hours, it is just an absolute... And well, you see, beast yeah. of a racetrack. You see it right there. I mean, turn 17, there's those bumps in the middle. You get four tires off the ground. Where in the world do you race <laughs> do a road you, course where you get four tires off the ground? Do you it's feel that, that too in the car? How oh. much do you, I mean, how much air are you feeling compared to what the video we just saw? I mean, you feel it. it it's sometimes like, oh, the track's bumpy, and you're like, yeah, it's not that bumpy. No, it's bumpy. Turns one and turn 17, especially, which is what we were seeing in the video there. This is turn 17. It is so rough. You take the rest of the racetrack, it's not. Rough is 17, but it's not smooth by any means. It's not Daytona. It's not a place like that. So, yeah, it's a it's a place, and, and they go into the nighttime there. Unlike Daytona, where there's kind of lights around the racetrack, there's no lights really out there. So it's dark, it's dark yeah. as yep. well. So yep. there's so many things that are unique about the 12 hours of Sebring that makes this race race so great. And I've tested there, and I've never been so bruised in my life as I got done the day of testing there. I mean, I think that's what makes this place so incredibly grueling. It's just one of those places that, you know, you just, you're not, I don't think you're ever prepared for how bumpy a place can be. And they, 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 you hear them talk about it, and you're like, ah, whatever. And then you experience it, and you're yeah. like, wow, that's intense. I, it's it's definitely one of those grueling racetracks. And if there's fans out there wondering why it's that way, I think we should explain that it's an old airfield. Yeah. And those are concrete slabs that have adjusted over the years. I think it's over 50 years or something. Yeah. And therefore, they've settled awkwardly, and they're, for you, you're hitting different levels of concrete slabs all the time. It's well, crazy. we didn't want you to get bruised. That's actually why I moved over here to limit the bruising that's that you were what, taking. Got it. AJ. I did feel odd over here. This is yeah. new. I know. I'm I leave sure. one I week know. and I get shoved aside. I don't know aside. how to look. And so, okay. Um, something else that, that we know makes this race unique is how intense and how much bragging rights are on it. And we see the trash talking has already begun. I heard. Yeah, yeah I, I saw this. What a Corvette? Yeah. Driver. So you have 
Oliver Gavin, the winningest driver at Sebring, said, will he get number seven this weekend? Yeah, Lawrence Van Thor from, uh, from Porsche. Mm -hmm says no, obviously. Yeah, Flat he out. disagrees. Flat out. Basically saying he thinks they're going to win, I guess. Yeah. Okay, With so that. the follow mm. from Oliver. Oh. <laughs> that's, a cut, that's a cutthroat sign. Yeah. So In that's basketball, you get teed up for that. Does Lawrence have a response? And right there. Oh. That's mic drop right there. When you use the rock. Yep. Yeah. Running with the, running with the rock. The, the best part of it is the fact that... Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, everybody at uh, Chip Ganassi Racing and their Ford GTs are just laughing. Like, right. Yeah, okay, guys. You guys keep you trash guys talking. Trash yeah, we're, uh, we're going to do this. So it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So what about you talk like GT? What about the prototypes? I mean, the Mazda momentum that we saw in uh, Daytona for the Rolex 24 in terms of practice qualifying, I mean, had so, and then came to a screeching halt in the race. How much pressure is on both of those teams heading into Sebring? I think there's a ton of pressure on Mazda because they're showing the speed, and that's that's half the battle, is going out there and showing that your cars are the fastest cars. But at Daytona and Parker, I think you had an idea of what happened there of, of to both cars really simultaneously to take them out of the race. So going into Sebring, there's a ton of pressure for them, not only to show the speed, but show they have the reliability because that's really been Mazda's problem yeah. as a whole as they developed this race car. They found more speed out of it. But to have that reliability to get through not a three-hour race, but these long 9, 12, 24-hour races is where the problem has been. So this is a huge weekend for them. No doubt. And if you look at the commitment Mazda has made to the IMSA series, you know, this is one of the largest motorsports programs in the world. And so they really, you know, put a lot of eggs in one basket here. And when they showed that speed at Daytona, it was so much excitement out of Mazda and out of all the executives and everyone who put everything into it. But to see both those cars basically have a similar issue and brake was heartbreaking. So now they go to a place that last year they were really fast, right? They had a problem in the last stop, basically. They led a lot of the race. Can they bring that same speed from Daytona and from Sebring and now have the durability? That's the question. And if they can, I think they're the ones to beat, no doubt. They were the quickest in uh, second practice that just finished okay. up. So yeah. they have the speed again. It's they like got the speed, news. so do they have – can they yeah. make it last? All right. Well, Come on. See. Now, by the way, Formula One gets its season underway this weekend, but they will do so with very heavy hearts. Early this morning, Charlie Whiting, the FIA's race director for Formula One, died in Melbourne, Australia after suffering a pulmonary embolism. With the Australian Grand Prix just three days away, many in the F1 paddock stopped preparations and paid tribute to Whiting, including world champion Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. He was, um, you know, someone you could ask anything at any time. He was open to, to everyone um, at any time. His door was always open and... Uh, he was a racer, you know, he was just a just a very nice guy and yeah, shocked. Um, what he did for this sport, I mean, his commitment, uh, he really was uh, a pillar, uh, as, as Toto said, um, such a, a, an iconic figure with, within the sporting world and he contributed so much to us, so may he rest in peace. Charlie Whiting was one of F1's most influential figures with his involvement in the sport spanning five decades. In a statement, FIA President Jean Todt said that Formula One has lost a faithful friend and charismatic ambassador in Charlie. Charlie Whiting was 66 years old.
All right, you guys are going to love this. Last weekend's MotoGP season opener in Qatar came down to this amazing finish. Andrea Davizioso edges reigning world champ Mark Marquez by 23 thousandths of a second. We got to see that again. That's unbelievable. I, I, I watched this. This was they. Mark Marquez tried to throw oh. a slider in the last corner, make a move on him, and Davizioso turned back under him and beat him to the line. I love the draft. Oh, that's awesome. And in Formula E, a controversial finish in Hong Kong with two laps to go, Sam Bird made contact with the leader, Andre Lauderer, damaging his tire and taking him out of contention. So Bird goes on to win, or so he thought, because after the race, stewards gave him a five-second penalty so that drops Bird off the podium. The Bird will not fly on this day. Handed <laughs> Eduardo Mortara's first Formula E victory. After the race, Lottery was frustrated with Bird, calling his move, quote, disgusting, making it clear that Bird's penalty was cold comfort to him. So we'll see if they end up clashing again. What do you guys think? Well, well it was, it was, Hong Kong was a tight racetrack. So it was one of those things that for Sam Bird to go out there and make the move, he was going to have to throw, whoa, whoa what's going on? Rubin's racing. I got you. I'm sorry, but that is ridiculous to penalize a guy because he checks up a little bit, gets into his retire, take and take away. a win away. Take a win away. I mean, are we? They're, they're uh, racing. Those hey, cars are covered. Don't yell at me here. I know. Okay? But I'm just saying, you're like sticking up for them. No, I was saying it was it was a tough pass. Sam Bird had to throw it yeah. in there. They had contact. It's a part of with Formula E. What makes the racing so much fun to watch is they go to a ton of street courses. Yep. And it's so narrow. I mean, it's like a go-kart. You have to throw it in there and make a move. He tried it. Didn't work out. I, I just I think was it, mad. I think it's ridiculous it to take a win away for that. that Parker is, says that, that unless he's the guy leading. Well, they, and then he would be complaining. They race again in China this weekend. So we'll have to and see. And there'll be another street course. And we'll see how it yeah. goes there. All right. Meanwhile, stateside, Joseph Newgarden was all smiles. The 28-year-old from Tennessee won Sunday's NTT IndyCar Series opener in St. Petersburg, Florida. Newgarden and another past series champion, Tony Kanaan, are special guests on the latest NASCAR and NBC podcast with Nate Ryan. Kanaan talked about the relationship between IndyCar and NASCAR and how they can work together. There has always been sort of a rivalry. It's just natural among all motorsports. I think NASCAR and IndyCar, there was always a tendency to compare. But starting to hear more traction for maybe a doubleheader type approach. Mm -hmm. Do you think something like that would make sense? A hundred percent. I'm a race fan as well. I'm a race car driver, but I'm a race fan. I love to watch NASCAR races. I have friends there that race there. To me, if we're going to make both series grow, why not? We don't have the same product. We don't go the same speed. Mm -hmm. So that, what's the competition there? You know right. what I mean? It's like, right. hey, Nate, let's go for a run, but I'm going to ride my bicycle, and you're going to run. <laughs> who's going to win? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And we're right. not here to talk about uh, who's fast. Well, we're faster. We have more technology, but that's not their product. Can you imagine you put both fan bases together, and we both grow? Now, Dale Jr. in, which his fan base, if he talks about IndyCar, right. Junior Nation is going to like IndyCar, <laughs> correct? He's going to be at the Indy 500. Exactly. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. So it sounds like everyone's in favor of it. You guys are laughing. What do you? I, no, I think I, I love the Dale Jr. Oh, okay. Junior Nation comment. If you yeah. get him to talk about it, they'll just all follow there. But um, I think he's 100% right. And I think for the first time in racing, and partially because of the network that we work for, the motorsports as a whole in America are working together and finding ways to work together because we all want to grow this sport. And if we're going to do that, we got to help each other. And I think, as he said, we're offering completely different products. You know, stock car racing is a little bit more, you know, rough and tumble. It's a little bit more sliding around, that sort of thing. And the Indy cars, at least on an oval, is a little bit more of a pack race, right, at times, and a little bit more of a drafting race. So I think 
I think it's it would be an awesome event to have the two go to the same track on the same weekend and all the motorsport fans in America would win. Yeah, really what, what it comes down to is the egos need to be dropped, right? The, the way we grow it, all motorsports is the fact that, as you said, we got to work together. And whether it's who, who's ever got a race on Saturday and who's ever got a race on Sunday, let the egos be dropped so that everything can grow. And whether it's NASCAR fans that have never seen Indy cars up live and close, yep. they get a chance to see that and will step back and go, wow, these things are so fast and crazy to watch. And then people, same deal, that have watched any car race that are not big NASCAR fans, and they see Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch coming off a of turn four, bouncing off each other. in the wall. Yeah, coming you know, to the yeah. checker, and they go, wow, this is actually really cool racing up close and in person. So really, I think it's now or never. You make the egos drop, we all work together, and we just grow motorsports as a whole. We agreed on that. I was yeah. like, this is, That's, I know I wrote that down monumental. one time. 5.25 p.m., <laughs> 314. Agreement here on the Motorsports app. So let's talk rookies in IndyCar because they were phenomenal. I know it's just a season opener, but I, what, three rookies in the top 10 at, at St. Pete? Um, I mean, it's, I know that, I know you had the one that really kind of stood out, but really they all looked good. Yeah, and, and Felix Rosenquist, I mean, he's 27 years old. And yes, he's a, he's a rookie to IndyCar. In, in the terms of being a rookie, yeah, he's never raced IndyCar, but he's been in over different, 10 different types of motorsports when it comes to it. So he's got a ton of experience. He went out there, made a move on willpower on the restart, led a ton of laps. Uh, but, you know, a, a kid like Colton Herta, Parker, I mean, that's yep. somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience in IndyCar and stepped up and ran a solid race on a tough street circuit. No doubt. And that's the thing you just mentioned, a tough street circuit. I mean, they can't start their, their season anywhere tougher for a rookie than a street course that guys like Scott Dixon have years of experience at because street courses are always a little bit different. But if you, you have to know the ins and outs, where you can really place the car, how close you can get to the walls. It's very aggressive. There's, you know, sometimes a little bit of contact there. And you have these rookies that did such a great job. Also give a shout out to Jack Harvey, who finished 10th. I think that was his first top 10 in IndyCar. And Meyer Shank. Meyer Shank. Meyer Shank yes, and team. Jack Harvey's best finish in so that's, I mean, that's cool. I mean, yeah. that, overall, that's a yeah. set of great stories. And when you look at that IndyCar field, how competitive it is, how close they are, in qualifying, it's amazing to think of going in there as a rookie and knowing that even just the slightest thing is going to put you back a couple positions. So for those guys to have that great of a run, very impressive. All right, good things happening in, the, in IndyCar. Up next, it's back to the track as NASCAR heads to Fontana. Clint Boyer explains why crew chiefs had better be packing heartburn medicine for this race, why specifically, and a look back at the top five wildest wrecks in Cali. Eastern, Claude Giroux leads the Flyers against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Then Connor McDavid and the Oilers take on the Golden Knights NHL Star Sunday presented by AT&T. So hockey is a contact sport, right? Well, NASCAR is no different. Time now for our top five wildest moments at Fontana. 2016, guys, Kyle Larson's going for a ride. This just hurts. Oh, oh there it is. Ow. It still hurts. I don't like that. You guys knew it was coming, too. It's like yeah. hard to forget one like that. Oof, that is just, that's the one's. You know, they call it a neck stretcher, I think, sometimes. Oh. Or uh, I call it a Hans tester. Yeah. Right there. That did it. Go, yeah. That, Good to see Kyle was okay. That hurts. 2008, it's another California driver in trouble. This time it was Casey Mears. And do you guys remember, you don't see it yet on your screen yep, here. Just but wait do you for remember it. what happened? 
seconds. Uh, here Sam. he comes. Sam Hornish will get there eventually. Uh, and and there, there he is. is. But this is just a little tip over at this point. Sprint car racing, that's a Tommy tip over right there. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that one. Now the fire, that's, that's a little scary. That's a different yeah. Yeah. yeah, time to get out. 2013, this was on the final lap. Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano will come together. Yeah, this is a yeah, this is a huge wreck. But Kyle Busch, you know, we talk about yeah, Hamlin's he's one away from two hundred. Yep. Yep. You can thank Denny and Joey for, for this getting one. them one closer. Yeah, Kyle would sneak by to grab the win, and Denny Hamlin would be carted off to the care center. That would uh, definitely hurt. Yeah, yeah, it did. Two thousand seven. You guys remember a contact from behind sending David Rudiman hard into the turn four wall? Oof, what is it with all these California wrecks? They're all very hard. Well, no. For anybody that wants to know what it feels like, wait this for this. this. This image right here, this is what we all there feel like. Yep. This is when they're like, are you okay? And you're like, oh. Oh. breath knocked out of you. Can't talk. The wheels all pushed uh, up in his yeah. face. Yeah, that's, that's brutal. Now this one here, number hey, one. See what happened? I get hooked. Oh, look, who's that in the 42? Uh, I get hooked and then I'm like, oh, hey, my bad. So, oh. AJ, yeah, you had a, a good seat for this one. That's Brad Kozlowski who's up on, was it not even two wheels, one wheel, yeah. right? One. I had, the, the, the problem was, was it hit so far, it cut out the whole so right side of my car, so I could actually see the racetrack from where I was sitting after that. That's, uh, and actually, Brad started carrying his cell phone in his car after that wreck because he lost all the radios, couldn't tell anyone he was okay. That was the start of the whole social cell media yep. avalanche, if you will. So, hmm. Brad started Twitter is what you're saying. Yeah, well, that was many years later, but he started using himself, <laughs> keeping himself on the big, car. Sorry, that now was a big, now it's banned, now you can't do it. That was big NASCAR social media moment, yeah, when yes. you had the phone and... 2012? Well, Daytona, what were we doing? Oh, uh, we were waiting. We were waiting, yes, we were. <laughs> uh, the racetrack to be put out. For the racetrack to, yes. Prime time Daytona 500. Yeah. All right, to be extinguished, if you will. This year... <laughs> Heading to Fontana, every driver is focusing on one word. That word, restarts. Green flag goes back in the air. Yeah, the restarts were uh, crazy. They fan out four wide for the top spot. Restarts were crazy, but I mean, that's to be expected. How about if we fan them out three wide? Three or four restarts in a row, they're just, just the, the aggression. On the break, they'll fan out four wide. We can expect that every week. I think next week at California is going to be even crazier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, California is going to be crazy. I'm sure the restarts are going to be wild. They're going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting with what happens on the restarts and where guys go and what they do. You'll hear the announcers at one point say six wide. I guarantee it. As wide as the pavement is from the grass to the wall. It'll be as wide as how many cars we can fit on that place, you know, from the, from the grass to the wall, which is probably about eight wide. Uh, I'm nervous about it. It's going to be insane. It's just going to be the wild, wild west. Here's what Clint Boyer expects on restarts Sunday at Fontana. I think the crew chiefs will be covering their eyes on restarts. These restarts are going to be crazy. They have been in the past at that track. So who knows how wild they'll be this weekend. So we heard wild, wild west. We heard what uh, Eric Almarola said he guarantees six wide. I heard Ty Dillon said seven wide. What do you guys think and why? I mean, obviously you have the real estate, but is that why not eight wide? So what? I mean, well, how there many was an eight wide there, there, right? Adam yeah. Stevens said eight wide. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Did he? He said eight. Yeah, he said eight okay. wide. So, so here on the Motorsports Tower, we're going to go for nine wide. Well, yeah. can you fit? Okay. okay, so you can fit on a restart. Obviously, every guy, every driver's going for it. Can you fit? I Here's guess you the can. problem. It's not how many you can fit. It's how each many? driver thinks he can fit another one there. <laughs> so whether it's nine, the next driver's like. I can make. I think it there's 10. room for yeah. ten. So here we go. That's where that's where is a is a driver. It gets a little insane as a crew chief. As I said, you start covering your eyes. Mm -hmm. And uh, as fans and commentators, well, we, we enjoy it. And here's the thing. I mean, there's going to be a couple things to figure out at these restarts. One, where do you want to be? 
you know, who is a leader, sort of a sitting duck in this situation with how long it takes to get to turn one at California, how much room there is. We've seen crazy restarts here before. Do you decide to push people? How much do you bump draft? I think all these things are on offer for the drivers. And this is challenging restarts anyway because of what happens here. Anyone who gets a run decides, well, there's another lane. I'll just use this run. And therefore, it's really hard because you're trying to be on the offensive, but you're always on the defensive as well. So I think this is going to be not only because of how wide we can get, how many cars can be side by side, but what sort of tactics are used on these restarts will be incredible to watch. I, yeah, and, I don't and, know you agree. And it, at Fontana, it, it's you see there in that last clip there shows that, especially the inside line, cars start laying back a little bit, yep. trying to time that run so when they get there, they have all the momentum, and that was when we had a lot of horsepower. So with this package, you're really going to be trying to lay back within <laughs> the rules of not getting one caught. Car, like within one car length. And trying to get that run. You know, on the when you're on the outside, everybody up until you start turning off and then turn one stays in line. So the outside's always got a little bit of an advantage because, in a way, you kind of have to start pushing the guy in front of you because there's nowhere else to go. The problem is, on the inside line, that's where the guys start laying back, trying to time it. And no matter what aero package you have, clean air is king, especially at Fontana. So as you roll off in there, everybody wants to be that first car coming off of turn two yep. to get that clean air, and that's where it gets insane. What do we always do on the uh, super speedways when you're at front? It's this move. Yeah. I'm going now. <laughs> you know, out the window, you're telling the guy behind you. I think we'll see a lot of that this weekend. And usually the guy behind him's like, cool. Yeah, thanks for cool. letting thanks, me know. I'm going to turn know. on you, you. you. Yeah. Well, Last weekend, Daytona was transformed into two-wheel heaven. Yeah, we're transitioning from four to two. Oh, there we go. As the yeah. stars of Monster Energy Supercross rode into town, we will look back on Eli Tomac's big win when the Motorsports Hour continues. Welcome back. This weekend, Meekum Auctions is in Phoenix. As part of the event, a collection of cars devoted to NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt on the auction block. The 1994 Goodwrench Chevy Lumina. That's the car that he clinched, guys, right? His seventh cup championship. Yep. Championship. I, I, that. I think that's the one right there that will go for the most out of these couple cars. Bring some big bucks on the auction block. All right. We also saw this one last week, part of National Serial Day. It just keeps See, coming I just, back. I, I, that's your I, mean, I, I know I know the I know the good wrench car yeah that but, but to me this was like such a cool car the Wheaties car like it was but I mean the Lumina over the car yeah, all day yeah I know it's all still right, cool that's the from the 1997 all-star race also in the collection again at Meekum in Phoenix this weekend Dale and her juniors winning car from Atlanta in 2004 that's a good one I was a great race you remember yeah, yeah. No, just you were eight. Of course. no I'm just teasing I'm just teasing. I was, that was <laughs> you were 12. Live coverage of Meekum Auctions Phoenix airs Friday at 5 Eastern here on NBCSN. Dale Earnhardt's influence continues to be felt across all of racing. Look at that. Supercross star Eli Tomac had the Intimidators likeness on his helmet last weekend at Daytona. Here's a closer look at the design. It proved an especially fitting tribute as Tomac rode his number three Kawasaki to his third win of the season and his third career win at Daytona. Tomac's triumph stopped the momentum that has belonged to 450 points leader Cooper Webb, at least for now. Uh -huh. 
Eli Tomac is now tied for second in the 450 class championship. He and Marvin Muscan are both 19 points behind Cooper Webb. Ken Roxon also has work to do. He's 21 points back after a season-worst finish of eighth in Daytona. Just seven races left in the season. Next stop, AJ, Indianapolis this Saturday night. So Eli Tomac, you think coming off a win, he's sort of riding on cloud nine, riding high. But why do you feel like he's under even more pressure now heading into Indy? Well, th we've seen this from Eli Tomac all year. And, and Daytona is a racetrack. He's an outdoor specialist to a certain degree where he's got so much speed in the outdoor motocross season. That's what Daytona is similar like. There's still a lot of supercross in it. But everybody knew going into that race, Eli Tomac was going to be probably the guy to beat. But what Cooper Webb keeps doing is just if he doesn't have the speed to win, he finishes second or third. And Eli Tomac right now really has a problem where he wins one week and then the next week he just doesn't really show up and he struggles in the points that he made up the weekend before. He loses plus a ton more. So Indianapolis, I feel like we're going to be saying this really the rest of the year, is the biggest race of the season for, for Eli Tomac, Marvin Muskan, and Ken Roxon. But to me, out of those three guys, Eli Tomac's really the only guy that has the outright speed to go on a streak of wins. And that's what he's going to have to do, especially if Cooper Webb doesn't make a mistake. A 19-point gap. If you win the race, you get 26 points. Second place gives you 22. So think of it. I mean, he has to win five in a row if Cooper Webb finishes second to all of them just to take the points lead over. That's a fine line of having to be almost perfect every weekend. Can he do it? We've seen it before, but there's a lot of pressure knowing that whether it's getting off the gate first or just not making any mistakes throughout the course of the weekend because Cooper Webb right now just seems like he's in a great place that he takes what he can get and maximizes the points every weekend. So this is tough because you can only control what you can do. You can't control what Cooper Webb does, but you pretty much know that he's not making those big mistakes. I mean, a mistake to him is what you said maybe off the podium, and that just doesn't – it hardly ever happens. Yeah, and it's really – you know, the first couple of weekends, he had a, a – Cooper Webb had like an eighth-place finish, and, and he didn't have that, that consistency. But really, over the last six to seven rounds, he's just been spot on. And even in practice sessions – or in the beginning of the night where it doesn't seem like he's got the speed, he finds a way to get back to the podium. And it's just, it's tough on these riders. Every, everybody that is competing against Cooper Webb sees this, and it just puts that much more pressure on him. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's Supercross. Anything can happen. That's what makes this sport so much fun to watch because one bad night, one little mistake can take you out of championship contention. But right now... His competitors just cannot make any yeah. more mistakes. And Eli Tomac, that energy and, the, and just that, that raw speed that he showed at Daytona, he has to come out with that every week now for the rest of the season. Yeah, you need to make sure that's packed in the luggage and traveling from Daytona oh, to yeah. this weekend. When we come back, we'll reveal this week's Global Motorsports star. Did you choose the same one we did? If you did, by the way, there's no prize involved. Other than bragging rights, we just wanted to let you know. We're keeping it honest. Time to go racing. It's time to bring the action. Will Power has the power. He dictates how the field will start, and he's gone. Only problem, though, oh, is he might not have him. Oh! Joseph Newgarden, he wins in St. Petersburg. A lot of pressure, man. We got to do well at Team Penske. Everyone else is rising up. And this Penske juggernaut continues in 2019. 
Sunday, March 24th, Joseph Newgarden and the NTT IndyCar Series head to Austin, Texas for the debut race at Circuit of the Americas. And this May, the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500 is on NBC. NBC Sports, the new exclusive home of IndyCar. Several of IndyCar's top drivers are returning to sports car action this weekend at Sebring. Simon Pagano, Alexander Rossi, Colton Herta, Sebastian Bourdais, and Scott Dixon will be in Saturday's IMSA 12 Hours of Sebring. IndyCar rookie Ben Hanley is in tomorrow's race for the World Endurance Championship. Also running tomorrow at Sebring is IMSA's Michelin Pilot Challenge Series. Some NASCAR flair in the field. Ben Rhodes, Myatt Snyder, Matt Crafton, and Grant Enfinger, all teammates in the Truck Series, will drive Ford Mustangs for Multimatic Motorsports. Rhodes and Snyder will share one, Crafton and Enfinger the other. Now let's go for a ride around this legendary Sebring circuit with another driver running in the 12 hours, our own Thompson Bell. All right, get ready for Lapsford Sebring, one of my favorite tracks. This thing is old school, it's rough, and it's a handful to start a lap right down here at turn 17. From sixth gear all the way down to third. Big bump over the bridge right there, and just jump at the back of the tire as your right wheel spin all the way up to the wall. Here we come down the front straight away, checking my mirrors, no pipes back there, watching the bridge for a reference point, and we're going to fire into turn one. Boom, down in. All the way up to the inside wall. Up right here, fourth gear. Come on, dig, dig, dig. All right. Down to second gear right here. Can lose the rear quite easily coming in. We're going to come down to the carousel, leave it second. Hold it sort of tight. Watch for wheel spin on exit. Whoa, that was close. Go over steer. Checking my mirrors. I got a back there, he's coming hard, looks like maybe an Acura. Fifth gear, down to first. Definitely looks like an Acura, I wonder who that is. Castro and Evans has no patience back there usually. Here he comes, driver's left, take a quick glance, don't lose sight of what's going on in front of me. As we come down to turn 10, fifth gear. Boom, hard on the brakes, one, two, three, big ABS, down to second, it's hot, it's greasy right now. Try to go flat through here, a little tough on old cars. Up through the gears, this is the hardest corner on the track right here. Water tower, down to second. Watch the rear end, don't lose it. Then all of the curb with the moment right there. She's dancing. Up through the gears, front of section. Coming to turn 14, top of fifth gear. Going to hit down two gears right there. Grab a little bit of this apex and then hang on as she slides down to that exit curb. One more to go, turn to 16. Most exit all the way out on the exit curb, up through the gears, look at the lap time, and I gotta tell you, I wouldn't want to do this for a living, I am slow on the radio, probably two seconds slower, I gotta work on my technique, here we go, last quarter, fired in deep, you are brave enough to do, fighting a little bit of fighters here, there's those big bumps again, and now all the way out to the wall, Woo, that is a lap at Seabrig. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Townsend took that lap earlier that was today. Awesome. Well done. The only thing I'll tell him, though, is he has to learn on his talking and driving technique if he wants to race NASCAR anytime because we talked for like a whole lap a lot of times, True. and you can't slow down at all. Otherwise, your crew chief tells you, stop talking. So <laughs> Talking or complaining? Well, yeah. a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. of course. All right. Yeah.
It's t forget that. It's time to dish out this week's Global Motorsports Star Honors because it's Pi Day. Did you know, by the way, Pi, the 16th letter of the Greek alphabet. Today's winner does get a prize. He will receive a slice of coconut cream. Actually, you're guys from Tennessee, so maybe, Scotty, you're going to like this. A moon pie would be more well, I mean, appropriate. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know all that yeah. was coming. No. Joseph Newgarden, I mean, he, he has to be. He, he threw it down at, at St. Pete. Uh, you know, something, I talked to him today, kind of how the sequence happened. He was running third behind Felix Rosenquist and Will Power, and the two of them pitted, and his team took a chance. Tim Sidrick, running the, the, the strategy for the team, took a chance to run three to four laps longer than both those guys, and Joseph, during that time, set the fastest lap of the race and went out there and was able to get a gap on them. When they pitted, they came out on the softer red tires that have a little bit more grip but wear quicker, and Joseph was able to get clean racetrack, put better laps in after that, stretch lead over to nine seconds, and then kind of the rest of the race just hold on and, and obviously able to take the victory. Kind of threw it to his teammate there, Will Power, a little bit. You know, in terms oh, of a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's what's so impressive about him. You know, you see Will, who's so incredible at qualifying. He told us on this show, it's, you know, it comes second nature to him. But then for Joseph, he's a great racer, and he's just an excellent race craft, and that's what adds up to doing those things. As a driver, you've got to nail that in-lap. You've got to nail that out-lap on those pit sequences for that pit sequence that Tim Sindrick designed to work. So I think that's what he did so well. And I think it's sometimes he gets those teammates over there scratching their heads thinking, wait, how do, you do, how do you do that, right? So I think that's why, you know, you see him kind of rising to the level that he did in that race and being yeah. able to find the way. So to get is right. Joseph Newgarden your guy? Who's no, your, so oh. mine... None of you are going to know this name, and maybe most people watching this won't know this name. My global motorsports star is Eric J. Smith. Who is he? He won the E-NASCAR Peak Antifreeze iRacing Series the other night on Tuesday, the third race of the season. This year, they brought a bunch of teams in, Joe Gibbs Racing, Roush Fenway Racing, Wood Brothers. This is the eSports initiative by NASCAR. It was an incredible race with the new 2019 Aero Package, and he was an independent, so he was going up against all these teams out there, and we found a way to win as the only independent this season so, in three races. I thought it was a very impressive win. It was a crazy finish. Esports, e yeah. and big. so That's he's big. my Motorsports Global Star of the Week. Obviously, he's not your driver. He's not you're, my driver. You're, you're in Burton's driver, right? I do so, own a team, and that is uh, somebody getting kicked out. No, we're we're sticking behind our drivers. We just had we figured out we had the wrong setup in the okay. car. We had the wrong gears in our cars. So, so you're so, saying so you remember, did the setup then? Yeah, I, I helped, and that's probably why we. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Yeah. Much but you it. are saying remember yeah. the name Eric J Smith. And remember that name. Yes, okay. remember and remember this series. Tune in on Tuesdays every two weeks. It's a very cool series. All right. Uh, by the way, next month Moon Pie celebrating one hundred. We did get years. pies. Let's Love see, it. we're keeping a theme going today. Up next, we'll look back at some of the fantastic finishes at Fontana. That's alliteration, by the way. Plus, the latest fantasy advice you need to know, including the best value pick and which driver you should possibly red flag. Probably not that guy. Even though it is unseasonably warm today in Brooklyn, temperature in the 50s, best idea is to come inside the Barclays Center and find Atlantic 10 basketball. Coming up next, Duquesne, the seventh seed, taking on 10th seeded St. Joe's. Top of the hour, NBCSN. As NASCAR's March Madness continues, let's look at our top five Fontana finishes. Number five, Truck Series race. They haven't been at Fontana in a while. They gave us some great finishes like this one in 2004. Todd Bodine. The Onion. The Onion was dominating the, or dominant in that 30 truck. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, he was tough to beat. That was Jermaine Racing's fast trucks. Okay, number four. This is 10 years 
years later, 2014, a battle of the Kyles on the final lap. And here, it's a battle, but it's more Kyle Larson could just never get to Kyle Busch. So they were close, but Kyle Busch would add to his win tally. Number three, I know you guys like this one, 2011. Oh. Jimmy Johnson was in position to win, but Kevin Harvick this was This was an awesome race. Kevin Harvick kind of schooled Jimmy Johnson right here. Gave him a little bump, checked up, get in the corner, let Jimmy check up early. And Kevin rolled the top. I love it. I love how close Kevin was to the wall on four. I mean, that was just textbook. That was awesome. Number two, 2016, maybe the wildest lap in Xfinity Series. This history. one, the world was actually ending at one point in the middle of this, this lap. Going on? You got, you got the tire blowing. Suarez runs out of fuel here. Kyle's trying to. Dylan comes off the corners. Kyle's like, I'm a wreck you still. I got no tire. <laughs> Tires blowing, fuel running out, moon falling out of the sky. Austin, Austin wins. Dillon wins. Yep, number one from 2013. It's so good when we see it again. It, it, it's very good. rare that you can get a top five crash, crash and, and win in the same clip. Yep. But Kyle Busch here. Still thankful Denny for Hamlin. Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin. Yep. Oof. That one still hurts. Pretty sure Denny wants us to sh stop showing. So what we're showing you is uh, chances are, are good. There could be a great finish this weekend as well. It's time now to help you out with your picks, oh, okay. your weekly fantasy picks. You can sign up at NASCAR.com. Make sure you join the NBC Sports NASCAR America League. You can play against Parker, AJ, and all of our NASCAR analysts. And if you need help with your Fontana roster, here's some tips from Dan Beaver over at rotoworld.com slash NASCAR. He'll have more analysis leading up to Sunday's race. Be sure to visit them throughout the weekend. I like the value pick, Chris Buescher, and I like the reason why. Because consistency, I mean, that definitely could come in, could come into play. Yeah, and, and at Atlanta, they were really good at a racetrack where the tires kind of wear off. They didn't have a ton of outright speed, but as the tires wore off, Chris Buescher would kind of drive to the front, had a top 10 finish. So, And he uh, tested the wheel force car for Ford just a couple weeks Ooh, ago. That's right. So Ford? That's crazy. That's, that's, that's crazy. He's the Chevy driver. That's, 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 that, was, that was a mess up. Yeah, all right. I, I got I got fixed <laughs> up in manufacturers. All right. Let's right. hear your picks. AJ, you're feeling Chris saucy. Chris is getting paid double. That's awesome. Saucy. So here, I mean, I got, as I said, I mean, early in the show, hopefully you stay with us, Martin Shurex, that's uh, that's going to be the winner. Denny Hamlin's really strong there. You know, Kurt Busch has been really quiet this year. He's had two top fives and a top ten in the last three races. So I really like what he's doing. Kyle Larson's going to be against the wall, the inside, everywhere. He's going to be fast. And Ryan Blaney was close last week, might have a chance this week. Those are good picks. We almost had a very similar team, but oh, I was because you were copying off my sheet. I, I was writing down at your sheet. My, I got Martin Truex, of course. I've got Kevin Harvick. Obviously, I just feel like he's very good at Fontana. Joe Logano for his, how fast he's been, just for Team Penske as a whole. I got Kurt Busch because we've seen Ganassi have a lot of speed these first few races. Obviously, his teammate Kyle Larson, as you said, and Brad is my garage driver because felt like out of the two Penske drivers I was going to pick from, I wasn't quite going to go with Blaney. I felt like Joe Logano, I had a better chance. I'm shocked you didn't pick yourself. You well, I'm not racing. Race. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, <laughs> I actually thought for once I should try to accumulate some good points and, and not guys, just tank that, that weekend. You guys only had three of the same. Martin yeah. Truex, Kurt Busch, and Kyle Larson. I feel like Kyle Larson, the hype is sort of that this could be his weekend. Why does Fontana suit him? I mean, he, he just loves running the fence. Uh, you know, we saw at Atlanta, he was really fast running up there. For me, it's... It's like a dirt track. There's so many lines you can choose from, and throughout the course of a race, you pick those lines and you change them up. He's just really fast there. 
and that's the thing. This place just shoots his style. It shoots what he wants to do. He's from dirt racing. You search for grip. You search for places to make the car fast. And that's what he does so well. So when the tires start to wear out here, I look for that 42 car to be looking from the high lane to the bottom lane, all the way down to the grass, possibly to find that grip. And you know what the other thing is? He's in a Chevy. Just oh, so you know. Chevy. Yeah. Okay. No, he's in a Chevy. That's the last one. So, he didn't did test I know what manufacturers he's in. Okay. Yes. All right. I got that one right well, this time. We <laughs> do know it's a busy weekend of racing. Again, you've got Sebring for sports cars. American Flat Track kicks off its season tonight in Daytona. Of course, NASCAR finishes the West Coast Swing in Fontana. The guys will recap that race here on Monday. We'll see you back here later in the week. Another Motorsports Hour next Thursday. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.